Hello, this is Into the Ether, a Genlock introspective podcast. I'm Ripley. And I'm Jerry. And today we are going over episode number three. Season 1, Episode 3, Second Birthday. The synopsis for this episode from the Rooster Teeth site is as follows. The colonel raises concerns about Doc's residency. Chase feels the impact of absence. The new recruits are introduced to the potential of using Genlock Mecha for combat. So this episode continues right off where they left from before, which is in the aftermath of Faux Sinclair's attempt to hijack a Holon and his subsequent death. And then Weller saying, hey, who's ready? <laughs> yeah, so I, I did notice in this one, they kind of stepped away from focusing on Chase as the lead focus of the series and give you a, a better look at the full cast of characters that we're going to be dealing with over the course of the season. Yeah, this was a very good ensemble episode. People are still figuring out where they stand with others, how they feel about others, and I really love all the writing mm-hmm. for the I mean, for the series, but for this episode in particular, it was just watching it again, I kept pulling out these, these little monologues after monologues because they're just so solid, indicative of the characters, of their dynamics with each other. We have this scene, this opening scene of the, the, the voiceover is Cammy complaining to Dr. Weller about the situation that they're in, that they were grabbed, they were told that they were the only ones that could help with a science experiment, shipped to the middle of nowhere where they were almost killed. Right. And she's coming at this from the point of view of someone who has not been trained in combat. This is not what she is used to doing with her life. Right off the bat, you find that Cammy has no filter. She is just she is just laying it out for Weller, and she even insults him. She calls him Longshanks. <laughs> and nobody else is really saying anything. Mm-hmm. Kazu does agree with her. Like, she has her whole opening bit, and then he's like, yeah, I'm with her, which is weird. He admits that. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I'm saying that, but did yeah. he say that later? Yeah, they actually, they actually see the medic team pull Sinclair's covered body past the window, and then he, Weller puts up the privacy screens on the windows, and they try to have a discussion about it. And there's kind of a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got the recruits, Dr. Weller, in this lab having this discussion you've got alerts that are coming on over the overhead pa two of which one during cammy's speech the second one a little later on which is asking weller to report to comms and he's the second one he he exasperatedly tells it off and he'll get there when he gets here kind of thing because he's dealing with his team right now he's dealing with his recruits right this is his baby project and he doesn't want to be pulled away from it in the moment of him actually getting to see it in action yeah and and to try to connect them with them too after this you know traumatic experience that they just they just saw the first time they see anybody using this tech that person winds up dead right not a comforting uh, thing to see when you haven't really gotten to see somebody go in under normal circumstances clearly uh, they know there's a couple of people that have done it but they've never actually seen the way that it works in person yet yeah until Sinclair and he kind of messed that up for him there was this amazing moment confrontation between Valentina and Yaz. And Yaz is fully on Dr. Weller's side. Of course, you know, she's but she's the other person besides Chase who's been in the Holon, who knows how it works, who knows that it can work. Right. And, you know, it's potential from that. And Valentina is not having it. She's, it starts off when Valentina calls Yaz a union stray. 
that the absent-minded professor picked up. The gaskets right in Valentina's face, and they're talking over each other, and I had to put on closed caption and listen to it several times, and even then I didn't get everything they said, but Yaz is arguing that you don't understand the cost, that I had to be here, I want to fight, I want to fight them. Valentina's said, what your perfect union did to people like me. Right, so she's representing something that Valentina has a problem and an issue with. Yeah, and And then Valentina says, do not lecture me about the cost of fighting, and Yaz shuts it down with, it was not my union. So you've got these very two broken yet very self-assured people on different sides of the same coin. It's a weird juxtaposition because they're both fighting against the same thing, but they're also fighting against each other because they've got this misconception about where the other person stands. Yeah, that's that's fair, uh, especially on Valentina's end. Clearly the union is pretty heavy into propaganda tools as we've seen in the earlier episodes and she's more of a uh, lone wolf type person that they do their own thing, they go where they want, they're in charge of their own destiny type of thing. Whereas a military regiment type of thing is kind of the opposite end of that spectrum. I think some of that, too, was colored by the fact that they just just had an incident with the, with an actual Union spy. And that in the last episode, when the Vanguard had burst in to take care of said Union spy... That's... I mean, Yaz out. was yeah. the first... Yeah, Yaz was the first one that, yeah. like, she put her hands up. She's like, I Weller have, can explain. Right, I have an explanation, but even though she says, I have an explanation, this is the first time any of her teammates have heard this information. So, it's probably a little bit of a shock to them that somebody from the union would even get accepted into the program. Yeah, so they're dealing with that on top of everything else. So now we have the third healing for Weller <laughs> to go talk to Marin. And this time, instead of just buzzing in over the PA, Abel, the, the robot compatriot, you know, like Marin's little helper robot, right. he actually digitally mixes into the lab and says, Weller, you're needed up on the comms. A gradual escalation of, we need your attention. Yeah. And this is the greatest setup to any joke ever because Weller berates him and basically says, if you do this again, I'm going to change all your speech to Gilbert and Sullivan, Sullivan lyrics. And that just, that, I was cracking up. Uh, so Abel leaves and Weller excuses himself and puts Chase in charge. Says there's no way you can make it worse. (laughs) Chase is like, oh, this is great. So now we have this interesting back and forth. On the one hand, we've got Weller talking to Marin, and then it'll intercut between the recruits. Right. And and they do this, they do a really great thing with uh, linking the transitions, you know, like the words that they use in one scene. It's like they they use it, find a way to use that same phrasing naturally in the, the next scene. Right, they echo into each other. Yeah. Marin is in the process of coordinating the withdrawal of wounded uh, refuge, wounded refugees. Right. As Weller's coming up and she's directing them to, uh, you know, uh, hangar two ETA two hours kind of a thing. So he comes in as she's she's dealing with this mess. She wants him to take Genlock to the next location that they were planned in the next phase because they're compromised. Right. She doesn't feel like where they're at is secure any 
anymore because the very fact that there is a spy there means that they know the location. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. So they know the location. Weller makes a comment about one of the strongest vanguard safe holds. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what better what better place to dig in? And yeah, Merton's like, yeah. it's already been compromised <laughs> because of you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. But they get into a back and forth about the project and where it's at and what the expectations and she had thought they were going to get a full workable platoon and he counters that he didn't promise her anything mm-hmm. and then oh she insults the recruits yes they are not what she was looking for no. she basically says making soldiers out of children and weller's response you feel that paternal pride burn. You have just insulted my children. Mm-hmm. He narrows his eyes and he says, they, he basically says they are nothing like children or, or something to that effect. They are not children. Mm-hmm. But his, his body language and his tone is absolutely, you have crossed a line. <laughs> so from there, this is one of those fun transfers because he has just said with all this gravity and import, they are not children. And then you slip, flip to the lab where Caliban is holding Cammy aloft while she kicks and flails. Right, yeah. And, you know, she, what she says, like, put me the fuck down. I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's in total temper tantrum mode. Yeah, and uh, her, little, her little sidekick, little mechanical bunny fox thing nugget which <laughs> we found out his name is nugget is like hopping on caliban's head trying to you know get it distract him and mm-hmm. i think at that point chase says stop acting like children yeah and and yes says nobody's going anywhere until we figure this out yeah in this situation those two are kind of the de facto parents just because they've already been there for a while yeah yeah they've got seniority so now you've got the kid <laughs> the kids <laughs> Now you've got the recruits talking, and this is the, f- the first instance where Valentina corrects, she corrects Kazu for calling her Val. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think he's he's siding with her and Cammy that they just want to leave. The three of them just want to leave. Right. And so they're having this discussion about why they should stay and why they're needed. And this, the, the, yeah, the scene hops back and forth a few times as they're each ha- trying to make their own argument, where Chase and Yaz are trying to convince these three, this unsure trio, to stay, and Weller is trying to convince Marin they need to stay at Anvil. Right. Then Marin makes a reference to the recruits' files, says that the candidates are in disarray. And this is where I find this really interesting because as someone who suffers from depression and anxiety, the thing that Weller says next was kind of important to me. I don't know, because when she said disarray, that's kind of the impression that I got. These people have been through a lot. Right. But Weller calls them resilient and adaptable. These are the most resilient and adaptable people on the planet. Right. And that whatever they each respectively went through is what makes them Genlock compatible. That is a very good point. Yes. You don't find out how resilient you are until you have to flex and stretch and react to the trauma coming at you. So that's a very good point. Then they they switch back to the recruits. Valentina is talking about how long she's been fighting, long since New York. She's done fighting. She doesn't want to fight anymore. She thought this was a science project. She thought, didn't think that it was going to be anything fighting involved. So she's done. She is ready to walk out and just tear (laughs) Caliban limb to firm limb. Mm -hmm. And they say, I'm going to leave a beautiful corpse, an open bar tab, and no regrets. <laughs> oh, isn't that the ideal? Isn't that the life? But they point out, Chase points out, you're going to be sitting there in some bar 
and the nanobots are going to hit and you're going to think, what if I could have done something to change this? And you see just the look on Valentina's face as he says that. He's at least got them thinking. Right. So you can, you can do more here than you could if you go back to what you were doing before. Yeah. And Kazu's made a few comments about uh, his regiment, where he came from, because he was military. But he was, from my understanding, he was talented, but stubborn. And in this situation, he says, I'll tell you what I told my superiors right before they busted me down. <laughs> and then he makes the comment, doesn't fight if he doesn't think there's a reason for, to fight. Or he doesn't fight if, if he doesn't want to. Yeah. Or nobody can make him fight right. if he doesn't want he's, to, so basically. He's already clearly defied orders before. Yeah. So we go back to, to Weller and Myron, and if Genlock hadn't been militarized. So along with the nanobots, this is another advance in science that wasn't specific, is, is not in this case specifically being used for its intended use. Right. So they had something else envisioned, but now it's a weapon. They'll get into more of that later. But Marin admits to Weller that she's heard from command that within six months, Polity is going to be pushed from North America, mm-hmm. from the whole continent. So something's got to be done or else they're going to capture them and Genlock's going to go over to the Union and it's not going to matter. These recruits are not going to matter. She kind of puts that in his head and said, well, why don't you go and tell them that and see if it offers some motivation. So then Weller rejoins the recruits and basically gives them a free pass to leave. He says he'll explain to Marin that maybe they weren't Genlac compatible in the first place, as long as they give it a chance. Right. One try. Yeah, I, I did like that he was basically willing to lie for them as long as they gave him a chance first. Yeah. They agree to at least watch a little bit, and they get the chase is already in his hole on. He's just been mixing in. Mm-hmm. We have a guest speaker today. What, what is this speaker's name? Uh, her name is Pallet. Pallet? What do you think of the episode, Pallet? <laughs> She just bumped her head against the chair, so I'm going to take that as a positive. And now she's gone. So then we have Yaz getting ready to get into her hole on. They get to see Yaz get in the pod, which these pods are really reminiscent. They write, the two things that remind me of most is Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar, and Alien. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Where you've got these, like the... Gel seems seems to me to be almost like a memory cushion gel mm-hmm. inside that they lay on with circuitry lines, hard light sensors mm-hmm. that kind of go over the shoulders and the the forehead, and then linking into the the suit. I would imagine, yeah, and then clear tops over it, so they're completely encased right. in these things. But they can see out, and yeah, it gives them a little thumbs up and talks to Command as she's getting in. Huma is waking up, taxing to staging area one, and Command reads back to her. She gives a thumbs up and leans leans back into the pod and from the looks of it just goes to sleep. Closes her eyes, the body relaxes, and then you've got all the ticking connections on Caliban's stream, uh, screen that he's watching. Yeah, and this time they they stay they stay good. They don't flare up red or anything like that. So I'm sure that was a comfort to the uh, the newbies. Yes. Once she's set up there, the three of them move over to Weller's monitors, where he's got eyes on the holons in the hangar bay. So they see this is their first time seeing the holons. Right. Outside of that one moment when they were walking through the hangar bay, and Cammy kind of caught a glimpse. Caught a glimpse, and then Valentina had to pull her away. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching. They're already impressed. Valentina calls it a drone. She's like, that's the biggest drone I've ever seen. You know, is Yas controlling it from here? And and Weller's trying to explain, no, she is the brain. Uploaded to, she is the mech. 
Right. She is the whole on. So they get to see is as this in motion and expl- <laughs> this is where he explains what was it Kezu was like so Sinclair basically and Weller finishes and said you might as well put your brain in a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns around and is like, alright, so who's next? <laughs> Valentina's like, nope. Kazu's like, nope. <laughs> Kami's like, can I at least have a couple days to look through the code? And- <laughs> uh-huh. I want to vet this coding first. Not that she would likely understand all of it. She'd probably understand it fair, but she seems pretty smart on that front. Mm-hmm. Well, there's well, a-, a lot on the, the technical yeah. side. I don't know about the whole mental yeah. transfer end of things. Though. But Weller's able to convince her to go ahead and give it a try. Mm-hmm. So she's laying back in the next pod, and there, he's he's giving her advice on how to sync up with Genlock and the whole on. And right before she, she goes completely under... <laughs> She says to Kazu, if I wink out, you can have my manga collection. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> and he's especially. like, I haven't read manga since I was yeah, a kid. And yeah. She's like, what are you crazy? I don't know. It's just. <laughs> What's wrong with you? These little character <laughs> moments are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's no wasted space. And it just gives you so much insight on who they are and like how they're interacting with each other. It's like, this is my jam. Yeah. I'm going to spread it all over my toast. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, that was good insight into both of them in a single moment. So she mixes in and she wakes up in her hull-on and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Except for the fact that because of time constraints, Willer was only able to make one frame <laughs> that, you know, he couldn't make like like individual frames for right. each person and Cammy is... Default blank for bot. Cammy is con- considerably shorter yeah. than everybody else on the team. So she's having a problem walking. She yeah. used to like relearn how to walk and move because you know she's used to different proportions yeah and that, speaking as someone with a really heavy vision prescription every time i switch from glasses to contacts it does take me a while to get an idea of where my fingertips are in relation to the world again it just throws everything off so i can imagine that dialing into a, a machine body would be that times a million yeah <laughs> yeah but you kind of change up some of these angles and everything and you have to you have to relearn some of some of your muscle memory about yeah. just these little nuances so she's having trouble with that but Chase and Yaz are there to catch her literally because yeah. she starts to fall while she's singing happy birthday in Gaelic <laughs> uh-huh. uh, which was fun so then <laughs> once Val Valentina and Kazu see Cami walking around in this they're both eager to to yeah. join in as okay. well okay I'm probably not gonna die let's go <laughs> yeah. see what happens here. <laughs> More people are living than are dead <laughs> in this thing. So cool. And they both take to it a little easier. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're both already moving like they would in real life. Yeah. They don't have the abortion issues that poor Cammy has to deal with, but they get out and Yaz has, has gotten... Oh! Oh my gosh! I forgot a tiny little scene earlier that was really important. What's that? No, I didn't forget it. It's right here. Oh, oh my gosh! My brain! <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to leave this in or not, but... So we are recording at the end of South By. I am very sleep deprived. (laughs) I'm tired. Yeah, you've been gone full (laughs) tilt. For sure. Yeah, but it will be over soon. (laughs) Next episode will be much more coherent, I promise. (laughs) 
Here we have we have another moment of Valentina correcting, I believe it was Weller, about using Val as a shorthand. Yeah. So whatever this is, this is very important to them. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of set, setting something up for later. So everybody's in their hole on. They're outside. Uh, Migas and Chase are hanging out, playing basketball. Chase is, is, is just slamming, slam dunk after slam dunk of these, as a hole on, with these teeny tiny people-sized basketballs. And then he's just, he's got a whole bunch of them in his palm and he's just flicking them into the, yeah. into the basketball. And Miga, you're talking about how he had game and Migas never had game. And Migas is like, well, you know, maybe if you turn off aim assist. Yeah, I thought that was a cute moment. (laughs) So these little moments, it's like, they're so important. They're so well written. It's just fluid within, but it gives you so much insight. And I feel this is something that a lot of shows generally miss. Mm -hmm. You know, you want each scene to to push the narrative forward. You don't want to have anything in there that's weighty or clunky. But at the same time, if you just focus on just plot intensive stuff you miss out on fleshing out these characters and making them feel like like actual people when- yeah if, if you feel like they're real people with real stakes you start relating to them more than just a history lesson of something that hasn't actually happened a fictional history lesson versus you're seeing this world through the character's eyes. Yeah. And I I do think that that probably is one of the X factors that shows like this kind of chase. Sometimes they hit it, sometimes they don't. Oh, they nailed it in this one. Yeah, they've really nailed it on this. I love it. So so another little character moment we have is uh, at this point, Yas has come out with a big box of of Holon-sized balls, and Chase has grabbed like a a spherical ball out of the box and was asking her, and she's like, oh, they're they're toys for, you know, later. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Chase sees Jody and Miranda at the entrance to the hangar bay. And because he's in his hole on, he's able to zoom in on their zoom in on them and sort of amplify their conversation. Yeah. So he's essentially eavesdropping as they're discussing talking to him about them. Right. So yeah, big surprise. If you disappear for four years, somebody might move on. Yeah. Wasn't that the same amount of time that Tom Hanks was gone and cast away and that Helen mm-hmm. Helen Hunt ended up with yeah, I that think other that guy? Yeah, sound, sound about right. Yeah. About four years. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so Jody and Miranda are a thing. They're trying to figure out how to talk to Chase, but <laughs> Chase just found out. Jody walks off. Miranda's kind of looking around and then she sees that Chase is looking at her. So then there's this beautiful hold-on robot mecha act casual moment <laughs> where he realizes he he squished that ball that he was holding. Yeah, yeah. And kind of drops it and turns around and walks <laughs> off like, <laughs> smooth move, bro. Um, oh, man, I did get this out of order. So that, hap- that happens before Cammy comes out. That scene happens before Cammy comes out. And then, so, yeah, so they have the Chase Miranda scene, and then Cammy comes out singing in Gaelic, which convinces Kazu and Valentina to mix in. And, oh, yeah, and I love this. Um, Weller tells them eventually they'll do actual training, but for now, he says, just go play. Yeah. Like, figure out how to use these, you know, move around and use these things, and just have fun with it, because you're in a four-story robot. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> They're all exciting. So they play basketball. They play tag. The unsure trio are kind of just in the, the base blank endoskeletons. Yeah. And Chase and Yaz are, are walking around with the armor plating on top of it. And Yaz demonstrates that they've got, like, wheelies. Oh, <laughs> they can yeah. They can pop little wheels in their, uh-huh. their, their hole-on boots and go you know, sliding around. Yeah. 
So that's fun. So then we have Capture the Flag, which is very important to people who know Halo, because this is one of the prime games that you have, one of the, the map types right. from the very early Halo. I've tried playing it before. I'm not a very good multiplayer to begin with. Sometimes I can be alright. I have never been anywhere near semi-good in Capture the Flag. I am terrible at it. But it is a valid way of promoting team play. It really is. And maybe that's the problem because I'm always, you know, I'm not really playing with a team and they're Uh, not really playing with me. Yeah, I I don't know if you've ever noticed, but usually with multiplayer PvP like that, it usually works out better if... You they can... all came in together and are communicating with each other instead of here's five random strangers yeah. that don't know anything about each other. Yeah. So I mean, and now now it's it's a very popular game type on multiple engines and platforms and games. We've mm-hmm. got it in Overwatch, got it in everything else. If there's a multiplayer PvP game, you've got Capture the Flag. Right. It is that integral <laughs> to video game culture. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's not up on their their video game culture, it's very basic. The idea is that both teams have a flag and you have to steal the other team's flag and take it back to your base. So generally you leave people guarding your flag and then you have people going out to grab the other flag. So within the context of, of this exercise, you've got Jody, Leon and Miranda in their walkers guarding a flag. Right. And there's a bunch of structures and a, a through lane to where they're standing and then you've got Cami, Valentina and Kazu. Fail, 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 fail. Mm-hmm. They they try different tactics. They try different things. I mean, the first, the first just try running straight up and <laughs> yeah that didn't work out very well then they tried dodging in between and that then didn't work out very well and then cammy tried something she tried using the skates and while she was trying that valentina saw a dump trunk go by so she kind of hops over to kazu's side he looks at her he looks back at cammy he looks valentina's gone yeah at this point cammy's been shot out of shot out of the running so she's walking backwards <laughs> flipping off the walkers with both hands <laughs> Kazu runs up, grabs her behind the arms, like, picks her up like a shield, and just runs straight at the walkers. Yeah. But one of them got behind and took him out. And then Valentina was trying to sneak by on the other side of this, uh... The truck situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that truck. So, but they they find her in time and take her out before she's able to get the flag. So, they didn't win a single round, but Leon tried to assure him, we we weren't expecting you win right out the bat, and we'll start for real tomorrow, and (laughs) Chase was like, no, we're not leaving this here. Mm -hmm. We're going to show them what can happen when when they're done training and what they can do. And so, he takes them on himself and gets each of them, each of the walkers down, like, I think on their backs, kind of like little turtles. Yeah. Or incapacitated in some way. Grabs the flag and then slams it down between Walker Jody's legs. <laughs> There's a statement right there. Mm-hmm. He's not happy. Yeah. But he won. Yeah. Which is what he was trying to do. Weller mentions, okay, why don't we stop it for today? I don't want you getting anywhere near your uptime or overtime. Yeah, your uptime limit, yeah. And I think Leon says, yeah, I want you to go reset or whatever whatever it is you do to reset. Yeah. So walkers go off and then you, you see the Holons kind of around the digital version of Weller's. He's he's talking them down after this, this session. And the thing is, he'd had them hang out at Hangar 2. And so now they're seeing these medivacs arrive with these refugees. And so they see see physically the result of this war. Right. And they talk about how after a while, when you're just inundated with videos of it, you, you normalize it, you get desensitized to it. But seeing it live and in person, mm-hmm. it's it's got a little more weight to it. 
Yeah, it takes it out of the abstract of seeing it on video, and you can engage it with all of your senses. You can smell it. You can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, and I have in, in, in Caps Lock, this speech is so relevant. I feel like it, this really touches what's going on in the world today. Yeah. And Weller says, make a difference where you can with the opportunities you were given. I think that's something that just like transcends the, the show itself, and that's something people can use in real life. Yeah, that's very true. Because sometimes you feel like everything's just overwhelming. What kind of a difference can one person make? But this is telling you better to try to make the world a better place than to just give up and walk away. Yeah, because we're all living here. Yeah. And we can all make it better. And sometimes it just takes a tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. You don't all have to be, you know, these ultimate philanthropes or this this war hero. Sometimes it just takes standing up for somebody Mm -hmm. or just saying hi to somebody. So this is where Weller admits that Genlock's original intent. He'd hoped to expand communications, understanding, and improve the human condition. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with the way things progressed was not able to happen and he had to go weaponize first. But what he, he wants to do now instead reminds me a little bit of what Stanley always said about protect those who can who can't protect themselves mm-hmm. you know Stanley has always said the strong protect the weak yeah so I felt a little bit of connection there with that mm-hmm. and by and in this in the in the context of the show buy some time for others to end the war so they're not the silver bullet like the Spartans were for halo so here's a reference there mm-hmm. because because I mean the reason I'm, I'm referencing halo is because I know it's such an influence for rooster teeth Right. And within the context of that story, there were there were two major war fronts that were going on within that world. There was this this insurrection with colonies against uh, the central government and the main military force, the UNSC, the United Nations Space Command, was kind of in charge of quelling those insurrections. And that had been embroiled for a while, had built up, and, and there's like 800 colony planets. So it's all over. And so you had that going on. And the Spartan program was kind of started to combat that specifically but then in while it was in production you get this this giant alien invasion of multiple races who have decided that humans are a blasphemy to the religion mm-hmm. and go about systematic eradication of the entire human race so that's so you've got the, the covenant and the insurrection and the Spartan program was developed as as that's that magic bullet right in context in contrast here in Genlock Weller is specifically saying they're not that. Right. It's not their job to end the war by themselves. They're working in tandem with Vanguard and with Polity and with other other organizations we'll find out down the line, but it's not going to be just them. Mm-hmm. And I felt that was kind of cool too. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't, maybe you can speak for some of these other influences, but it, I think that's kind of been like, oh, here's this super advanced thing. It's going to be what saves us. Right. Specifically the- through direct actions. Right. The the whole you're our only hope type of situation. Yeah, this is not that. It's a, you're a resource that we know that we have. We know that you're not going to actually be able to solve the problem, but by your being involved, we feel like we can make it a little bit better until we can figure out what we're actually going to do here. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And then they're done with the day. They leave. You see uh, Weller power down as he's back in the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he clicks his glasses off, so that's how he was mixing in to the to right. the outside. And Marin's there, and she notices that he didn't tell the recruits about the six months. Mm-hmm. And he said he wanted them to choose on their own and not from, uh, I think the phrase was a, a clumsy guilt trip. 
Right. And then you have one of the greatest jokes ever, because Abel makes a zen to inform Marin that she has a message from a modern major general (laughs) (laughs) using (laughs) lyrics from Pirates of Penzance. (laughs) Because, oh, what did he do? He mixed in without permission. Uh (laughs) Weller held true to his threat. Yeah. Oh, man. The writing on this series, though, the the dialogue, the handling of these character moments is absolutely beautiful. I love it so much. It was hard to go through this episode without just pulling down the entire script. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is a great line. Oh, this line was amazing. Oh, this is only this character dynamic. Oh my gosh, the tension. Ah! Yeah, there's, there's no wasted space on these shows. They just pack so much into that. Yeah. So thank you for that. That was amazing. Uh, all right, so favorite character has it changed any i think last time you said cammy i did say cammy last time um in this episode i know it's not really an actual character but this is where we got to see her little robot sidekick doing more stuff so <laughs> i i feel like for me the uh robot pet was the standout of the episode for me jumping on caliban's head i love it <laughs> Uh, I, I still have a special love for Yaz, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Valentina's inching in there. Mm-hmm. They've got so much just brass. They are brass. They are steel. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the two go off at each other like that, where you un- you feel sympathetic to both sides. Mm-hmm. You want to agree with both of them, but at the same time, you don't want them yelling at each other. Please stop. <laughs> no. So that was exciting. I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to pick a favorite because they're yeah. all so good. <laughs> I guess that's where I'm going to go now. I'm halfway between Val, Valentina, and Yaz. Okay, that's fair. So you have been listening to Into the Ether, a Genlock introspective podcast. I am Ripley. And I am Jerry. And we are going to sign out for the night. Good night. <laughs>